0: 90 years, St. Cloud State Hockey has had a home in the Granite City. Boasting two hockey hall of famers in Frank Brimsek and the late Herb Brooks many players and coaches have made their mark on St. Cloud State hockey lore. With former St. Cloud State greats like Mark Parrish and Brett Hedekin to more recent standouts like Jack Ashawn and Jimmy Schultz, two Patty Kazmaier Award finalists and 16 Division I All-Americans have paved the way for current St. Cloud State men's and women's teams to continue the Huskies hockey tradition. This week's guest is one of many who have made their mark on St. Cloud State hockey history as the Huskies Warming House podcast presents this week's Healthy Scratch interview segment
1: and welcome to the healthy scratch interview segment joining us this week again for the second time on the show is head coach brett larson brett thanks again for joining us on this very early monday morning yeah no
2: problem guys thanks for having me
1: Brett, it was a nice split coming off of the uh, battle here against Duluth. Uh, I guess, you know, it's it's a long time rivalry between these two clubs. It's a team you know well. You spent uh, multiple seasons uh, as an assistant coach. And, man, it was a really good treat for the fans who got to watch. There were two close games and uh, came away with a split and a little bit
2: better of an effort on Saturday. Yeah, it was uh, obviously really important for us to bounce back there on, on, on the second night. I keep wanting to call it Saturday, but it was actually Sunday night uh, <laughs> uh, that we had that game. Um thought we, we definitely made some adjustments. We played better. We played harder. And in our mind, with the new league rules, we, we feel like uh, taking four out of six points was a, a big accomplishment. You know, uh, even as much as that uh, overtime loss hurt on, on the first night, you still get that point. Uh, They only get two, so instead of a three-point swing, they're only up on you by one, and it gives you the opportunity to come back and try to jump them again on Saturday. So every point in this league is critical
0: we kind of talked to a little bit and again, it was a weird weekend with that Saturday, Sunday matchup. And also we kind of mentioned it was the first time that you were back on a bigger ice sheet. Normally you would have some ebb and flow being on the herb a little bit more. Do you think, uh, especially that Friday night game, uh, the fact that you went back to a big sheet, plus the lack of fans in the building, did that affect the play at all? Do you think, or is it just kind of, um, the result of Duluth being a good hockey team or all of the above?
2: You know what? All of the above. I thought Duluth came out hard. I could tell from the first shift that they were right on top of us. They were pushing the pace. Uh, they played a really good game Friday night, or Friday night, the first night. Um, <laughs> they were, they were the better team five on five. They just were, it was, um, they were more detailed. They were harder. They were winning puck battles. Uh, they dictated the five on five play. They won the five on five, won nothing. Uh, We won the special teams game 3-2. Not very often your power play gets three goals in a game, but that ended up to, you know, the power play luckily was hot that night and gave us a chance. Without that, uh, I don't know that we even get the one point. So uh, the one point helped. Again, it it doesn't give them that three-point swing. It only gives them a one-point swing on us when they get two and we get the one and gives you the opportunity to still play to win the weekend the next night.
1: Brett, you know, it's good to be back in St. Cloud. You guys had a really good pod performance going six and three uh, being down there in Omaha for a few weeks. Uh, how would you rate your overall play with the team from game one to the last game of the pod uh, and then coming back
2: here to St. Cloud? Uh, you know, I, I thought we improved throughout the pod, which was good. Uh, I thought our best 60-minute hockey game was the last one against Denver, to be honest. It was, it was our best performance from the drop of the puck till the, the final buzzer, and I thought we played detailed. We played hard. Uh, clearly, uh, the, everyone was on the same page. We had grown throughout the pod in certain areas. We won the special teams game in that game. Five on five, we played well. Our goaltending was really good. We really felt that there was a, a, a midpoint in the pod where I don't want to say it was a turning point, but it was a major point of growth. It was a, It was, although the North Dakota game was different than this Duluth overtime game when when Kawaguchi beat us eight seconds in. On that, in that game, we felt we we played really well five on five. We were the, the they we only gave up ten shots on goal that game five on five. Um, thought we played really well. Uh, still had the dagger of the heart with an eight, a goal eight seconds in, and and it's hard to bounce back from that. And I think you saw a little bit of that effect the first five minutes of the game. It's Colorado College the next game, and unfortunately we we, we let Joey Lamoureau just hang out to dry. And uh, poor guy didn't even get a chance to get a shot or two on net before the first two on one. And uh, you saw that, but I thought, again, I don't want to call it a turning point, but the ability not to let that rattle us and be able to come back in that game um, and then come back and and play the way we get it against Denver. I think that just shows that the group's maturing mentally and they're uh, growing and they're a little bit, they're better at handling the adversity that's going to hit in this league. There's going to be nights in this league where you just get punched right in the nose You might play your best like we did against North Dakota and still lose sometimes. you got to be able to handle that. Um, And uh, I thought the growth that way was really good, and I think we saw a little bit of that again this weekend against Duluth. Um, We didn't deserve the win the first night. Uh, They were better, but we were still able to find our game and put ourselves in a position to win that game the next night. And uh, um, that's a really important part of this league, being able to handle those things and the team that can and, and does it the best and continues to push to get better, you know, has a chance at the end.
0: Really glad you mentioned that Colorado College game. I was gonna bring that game up and then another one in the pod that maybe people uh, kind of just wrote off or didn't think of and that was that two to one, that tight loss against Western Michigan. And I know as much as it would have been nice to go eight and one in the pod, um, you know, or seven and two, Do you kind of look at those two games sometimes as games that are almost important or pivotal for when you hit that late February and March stretch? You know, you've gone through that little bit of adversity and kind of learned how to handle... Handle the ebbs and flows instead of you know not that we want to go back to the season in 2018 19 but i mean that was a team that was lights out from the get-go and sometimes we like to talk about how sometimes you know if you have a game where you play poorly but you happen to eke out the win. if you would have against duluth on friday night some of those things get swept under the rug so do you feel that that adversity is sometimes a good thing looking forward
2: yeah, you're absolutely right. And it's it's a lot easier to sit here and talk about it on a Monday morning after a win. It does, at the time, you're telling yourself that in your head, but it still it hurts. You know, mm-hmm. lo- losing losing isn't fun. And uh, But that Western Michigan game was an example of, um, I think, the guys just gaining respect for this league and how good it is because uh, Western had, to be honest, had just got pumped a couple games before. We kind of got lucky and beat them the first game. They, their own guy threw the puck in the net to <laughs> give us that game when a goal late. Um, and I think there may have been a little bit of overlooking them, which is you can't do in this league. You just can't. And the only reason I say that is because they lost their starting goalie. That other goalie, their other goalie, had gone in and hadn't done well for a couple games. But you knew he's a Division One goalie, and you know at some point he's going to find his game a little bit, and they're going to get better, which they did. And uh, as much as we tried to prepare the team, and I, I think even they tried to tell themselves that it was going to be a tough game, I don't think we were locked in. And Western made us pay. They're a good hockey team. And uh, I think it was a really good learning lesson for the respect level of anybody in this league, whether they're going through an up or a down, you better be ready to go, because if you don't play your best, you're going to get beat. And Western taught us a really good lesson that night.
0: It was kind of interesting at that particular point, too, especially when you go on social media. Uh, There was a real clamor at that point because the power play wasn't exactly clicking at that particular time and looked a little bit, uh, for lack of a better term, discombobulated. Obviously, you bury uh, four this weekend uh, on the power play against Duluth and uh, had a pretty good stretch at the tail end of the pod. Um, What's working for the power play right now? You kind of mentioned to us a little bit that the power play almost got lucky a little bit and kept you in the game on Friday. Um, is that still a culmination of a power play group that's starting to get better or, you know, is there still some more tweaking that you would like to
2: see out of this group? Yeah. I didn't mean that the power play got lucky. I meant we as a team were lucky sure. that they were good <laughs> because uh, <laughs> without them being good that night, we, we didn't have a chance. Uh, I thought they executed really well. Um, obviously we've moved Vietti Metin up to that first group. And, uh, since he's been there, he's, he's been kind of a shot in the arm. It was just a little bit different look, uh, gave it a little bit of fresh life. And, uh, and I think they've been pretty good from there now, you know, in all honesty, it's a little easier to execute power play on, on the big sheet. There's more room. It's harder for the kill to, to be, um, to be, it's harder for them to be real aggressive because if, if you get running out of position on the big sheet and you make a good pass, you usually have a good opportunity. So, um, I think for us, uh, yes, we're happy that it's trending in the right direction, which it has since Denver. Um, But we're going back to typically one of the best penalty-killed teams in the country on a small sheet this weekend, and we're going to need to execute at a higher level.
1: Speaking of that, uh, Brett, you know, when you're facing a team essentially four consecutive times in a row, and obviously you're changing uh, sizes of the ice sheet, uh, and certainly this will benefit, I would think, a Duluth's Duluth game uh, to execute the way that they want to. How do you approach this with your players and as a coach that, you know, you're going to see the same team with the same structure, but, you know, that's going to almost, you know, with the dimensions of the ice sheet, it's going to force you to make decisions quicker. You're going to have to take care of the puck a little bit better. Uh, what sort of approach are you going into this upcoming weekend against Duluth?
2: Well, typically what we'll do is try to get into some small area game situations on our sheet where what what we essentially do is try to shrink it here. Uh, Put the guys in a tight, small areas, really congested, having to make those plays in those small area games uh, and get ready for that where your body is just and your mind, I guess, is just ready to make those quick decisions. So uh, we will shrink the sheet here. We'll get into some small area stuff. Uh, We'll try to just get them mentally prepped to uh, face that type of pressure, that type of stick pressure, that type of feeling that everything's contested. And then when you get into that rink, it doesn't feel so much different. Um, We've always prepared that way. We don't like it to put it too much in the players' minds though, to be honest, because at the end of the day, usually after the first period or so, you know, it it just, your body does get used to it. Your mind does get used to it and you're just playing hockey. Uh, You got to manage that first 20 pretty well. You know, they're going to come really hard in their rink. And usually what they try to do is put a ton of pressure on you, make you feel like uh, you're on your heels. They're trying to pressure your D, trying to create turnovers. Um, You want to get through that first 20, hopefully weather it and start your own push um, and and then go from there. So again, long, long answer to a short question, but I guess what we start trying to do starting tomorrow will be to get these guys into some small area game type situations to prepare them for, for playing up there.
0: Someone that uh, is gonna be pivotal in that first 20 minutes and who I thought had a really strong game yesterday was David Rennick. Uh, David Rennick looked good yesterday. Um, and as you mentioned with the Colorado game, uh, Joey Lamoureux was kind of hung out to dry in that. And I thought, um, otherwise I thought Joey and Jackson both looked really good as well throughout the pod. Um, there's kind of been a question mark with David Rennick uh, this year, uh, taking that next step. Uh, how have you liked David Rennick's play? Do you want to see more from David? I mean, what do you, what have you kind of assessed through 11 games so far?
2: We do want to see more. We want to see more consistency from David. We've seen, um, we've seen the moments where he's shown what we all think he can be and what he believes he can be. I think what we want to see is is more consistency in that. And I know he wants to see it as well. So um, I really like the steps he took this weekend. Um, I didn't think he was great the first night, but I thought he was good. Uh, But at this point we're starting to expect better than good. And I think for this team who is still a little bit young and we're still growing, we need those nights where he can get in there and steal a game every once in a while to get to where we want to go. So um, we believe the competition is a good thing. And I think seeing Joey and Jackson play so well is what we want to use to push David to keep getting better. Knowing that if he's not at the top of those game uh, of his game, one of those guys can go in. So uh, long story short, I thought he handled it really well this weekend. We wanted to give him an opportunity with the back-to-back, and I thought his game got better from one night to the next. But uh, as we're, we're talk, telling him and, and uh, uh, dealing with the team, he knows that he needs to be at his top because those other two guys are right behind him.
1: Speaking of good versus great, uh, your freshman phenom uh, Vietti Miettinen has been uh, quite the storyline, with some other freshmen in the inside the NCHE league. Um, I actually really liked Brett your your lineup changes uh, last night on Sunday to try to balance out a little bit more that offensive push because it seems like you know if you can spark some other players, especially with henches and others, it's going to bode well for your team because you know unfortunately uh, before yesterday, I mean you're trying to get henches on the score sheet, you're trying to get some others going. Uh, Nolan Walker, those. And, you know, as more VT Miettinen continues to be on this pace that he's at, I mean, I would imagine other teams are going to try to essentially scheme to put their best uh, defensive forwards against them. So you're going to have to have other people step up. Was that sort of the thought process with sort of switching up the lines from yesterday?
2: It was, it was trying to get a spark that way. And if you remember back to last year, Zach Wakabi played with uh, uh, Yami Kranila and Chase Brand most of the year, and they had a really good line. They were young, of course, and, and they had you know, we called them, they were usually really good one night a weekend, and then they were kind of worn down the next night um, just because of their their youth and their size and whatnot. They're a year older, they're a year stronger now, um, and I, and physically able to handle it. And they had those guys had chemistry. So what we thought is get Zach and Yami back together and have VT on the other side and see if we can rekindle that a little bit and get Brozzi up with uh, Sam and Fitzy, kind of an older line that you can trust, you know if they're on, they can score. They can play against other teams' top line. That allowed us to play henches against Noah Cates, and, and that line is probably – Kate's line is one of the best in college hockey right now, hands down. Uh, and I thought they were able to hold serve against those guys and, and played them head-on and played them well, um, which was really good. Now you you know you got a line like Hammer's line that we moved to a position where we played them against Jackson Cates' line and played the, them against twos, and now you're trying to see if your depth – um with with a cranial line against hopefully one of the other teams lower lines could could be a plus for you uh we're not always going to get those matchups obviously we won't on the road this weekend up in Duluth but at, at home when we can when we can uh um when we can control that um there should be some some positives with our depth up front where we can get some matchups that we want
0: so I'm going to preface this right now and tell you that this is going to be a long question, even for my standards. Um, but, uh, Love a
2: couple, <laughs> sip of coffee then while you're. Uh, yeah.
0: Um, but, uh, you know, normally at this time, uh, like Nick mentioned, we are talking about the additions of freshmen, but this year we also have the addition of two players who are far from freshmen, uh, in Jared Cockrell and Seamus Donahue. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, with the eligibility rules and them kind of being in you know their fourth, fifth year, essentially, if you will, um, I believe that they would be eligible next year to play. If I'm not mistaken, one of the few players in history that could play six full seasons in the NCAA, should they choose Um, with guys like that, uh, David Rennick, you know, Easton Brodzinski in their senior years, uh, if they can take the credit load and this is a premature question, do you anticipate any of those guys being back in the lineup next year in a Huskies uniform?
2: It's, it's really hard to tell just from a standpoint of, of uh, you know, pro hockey, right? Like, uh, if those guys have opportunities, they've got their degree, do they decide to stay and play another year? Do they decide, decide to sign a pro contract and go? Um, those are discussions that the, we've told the guys, let's wait, let's have them at the end of the season, uh, get a really good feel. Um, obviously, those are, we really, we're really happy with those guys. I mean, all of them that you mentioned. I mean, don't forget about Fitzy and, and Hammer and, and those guys too, you know. So it's going to be a really, really unique situation uh when it comes to who's going to stay and who's going to decide to move on oh there's what i was telling you guys about <laughs> earlier hold on one second
0: for, the, for those who uh, um aren't watching the video feed brett larson has a very sensitive or time sensitive light uh, that keeps him uh, keeps him on the move this is,
2: this is our coach's office i'll show you real quick this is where the coaches change in here before practice and whatnot in the herb um and this is where i slept for about a month when i first got the job when i was yeah, basically commuting. We were trying to sell our house up in Duluth. And, and um, um, so I, I put a little air mattress on the floor in here and Mike Gibbons had told me he did the same thing for a while when he was an assistant coach here and he was still living down in the Eagan. Um, but he didn't tell me that he didn't, didn't do it in this room. He did it in our players lounge. I thought he meant this room. Anyway, this light in here literally is time sensitive when it goes off and I literally couldn't scratch my nose without that thing going on in the middle of the night. Felt like it would anytime I'd move at all, that light would would uh, would pop on. Well, it's funny, the coaching world's so small. I was telling somebody about it out on the road when I was out recruiting, and they said, "Hey, we we did the same thing and at our office." And what we figured out is you just got to put some tape over that sensor. And, uh, and the light will stay off at night. So anyway, that's a long story about the light here in the coach's room.
0: <laughs> I love it. You've got, you've got the master of disaster at X's and O's, but the, the light is tripping him up in the, the coach's light. office.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't sleep.
1: Brett, I want to ask you, because you mentioned Will Hammer, uh, he's a guy that, to me, it kind of flies under the radar, and it's because mm-hmm. during the pod, I saw you put his line out in some key, especially face-off situations, whether it's offensive defensively. How important has Will Hammer been for you in terms of controlling, I guess, puck possession in key times throughout the games?
2: Uh, huge. I mean, that's. I think it's a huge key to our success. That line, you can trust him in multiple situations. Will's great on face-offs. Um, their compete level every night. Uh, whether I want to play him against another team's fours or, you know what, I just trust him on a D zone face off against another teams, one or two. Um, It's such a valuable part of our success so far Um, right now. uh, He and uh, Jared Cockrell and and Kyler have really gelled and and, uh, um, really turned into a line that, you know, they're, they're fourth sometimes on that depth chart, but that's not how they're ordered. You know, there's, there's really not on this team a fourth line right now it's just four different lines that kind of have different roles but uh that line uh has been really valuable to our to our team this year
0: you kind of uh, talk about players too that shuffle in and out of the lineup and apologies if i get this name wrong because i haven't seen it that much i believe it's joey melinar is the is the correct pronunciation molinar. um molinar molinar um and uh you know him and K- thomas rocco have kind of switched in and out as well um i how do you go about those coaching decisions? Cause you know, guys like Easton Brunzinski, Nick Perbix, they're going to play right guys that are in kind of that bubble area. Um, y- you know, how do you evaluate that? Especially, obviously you have the practices, but then in game time, if only one of them is playing, obviously their sample size or their pressure window, if you will, is that, is that sample size in some ways? Um, how do you evaluate who enters your starting 12 and your, your back seven, if you will, each night? I mean, what goes into that process to decide, um, you know, is it, Sometimes does it happen to go more with a matchup against a team like Duluth, or is it just simply how they're playing uh, all by itself?
2: Yeah, probably a lot of it. And I can tell you it's the hardest part of coaching, for sure, because uh, they're all really good kids. They all work so hard every week. They, they, they've they dreamed of playing at this level their whole life, and when they're not in the lineup, and I've been there as a college player, I've been in and out of the lineup. It's tough. It, it's really tough. You just man, it's one of the hardest things to go through as a player. So you don't take those decisions lightly. As a coaching staff, we want to make sure we're doing everything we possibly can to, to make the right decisions. And, and Hey, we're not even always right, you know, but um, you know, it, it, all of the above of what you said last night, we Joey Molinar is a kid that, and he'll be the first to to tell you physically, he's had some issues where he's had shoulder surgery. He's been out. He's had all these injuries throughout his junior career and just never had a chance to get much stronger. He's working on that now. He's had his first full summer. He's coming, but he's an offensive talent. He's got great skill. He's got great vision, uh, really good hockey sense, good stick. And we were, like I mentioned to the media yesterday, a little concerned about our five on five scoring, and we're trying to look for just some ways to pop that. Um, So we thought Joey would be a good addition. we didn't take Chase Brand out of the lineup because we were upset with Chase or sending any messages to Chase. He'd been playing well too, but we just thought it was the right place to spot in Joey. Um, we thought left shot with Walker and, and Micah Miller, who we kind of need to get them going just a little bit more after their their, fr- their first night because they had been playing well. Um, we thought that would be a good spot for him where it seemed to fit better for Joey than it did for, uh, for Rocks. Um, Rocco tends to be a little bit more of a, good fit for playing with hammer where he's got that speed, that detail. Uh, you can kill some penalties. He can, um, you know, create pressure on the four check and, and those type of things. So kind of what you said is, is it's a lot of what you're looking for in that particular game, a lot of what you're looking for to try to improve in your lineup. And some guys have different strengths than others. So oftentimes that kind of goes into what the decision-making process looks like as far as making those changes. Sometimes you're sitting a guy cause you're sending him a message. You're not happy with how he's playing um, in Chase's case, it wasn't about that at all. Chase has been playing good hockey, and it was just the right spot we felt to fit Joey in there to get him a game.
0: On the other side, someone who uh, will probably most definitely be in the lineup unless something catastrophic happens is Nick Perbix, and he's kind of made that jump offensively uh, this year. And for fans, we see the on-ice product, obviously. We get to rave about how Nick Purbix is producing, how well he's playing. What do you see behind the scenes and especially this summer uh, transitioning to make that jump? You know, what has he done in your eyes behind the scenes through the past nine or ten months and change to get to this point in his career as a Tampa Bay Lightning draft pick?
2: Well, for the first time, he spent most of the summer here training. And we, we, uh, we had a group that helped us train this summer. Um, we kind of uh, we brought in a, a grad assistant uh, strength coach from the University of Minnesota who's done a great job. John Swanson, an alum, uh, uh, is helping us as well, With uh, did some summer things when we weren't able to train here and whatnot. So uh, I think that really helped Nick. He came in in better shape. Uh, the expectations were higher for him too. He knew it. Uh, the thing I see on a daily basis, though, and probably what the fans, I'm not sure if they noticed this, but where he's gotten a lot better is defensively a lot better. And he's committed to it. That means we're spending less time at our end when he's out there, which fortunately uh, uh, puts us in the other end where he's done a really good job as well. So I think his commitment to, you know, getting stronger in the offseason, being a better defender, uh, those two things have allowed him to kill plays quicker on our end. And now we're going the other way where he's joining the rush and, and been, been a big part of it offensively.
1: Don't you think part of that too just to fall open on that is also the game of Seamus Donnelly. He was more of a stay back defenseman where it with Perbix and his uh, a game with Jack O'Shawn. Jack O'Shawn was more of that, you know, fine-tuned offensive defenseman. He had more of that skill. So I think with the game of Seamus Downey, you know, more allows Nick Perbix to kind of take those offensive chances. And again, like you said, defensively, yes, but also just Nick Perbix to me is using his feet. You can tell that he's putting sometimes a puck on his back to either skate things out and just make sure uh, things are happening in a positive manner. Is that correct?
2: hundred uh, percent. He's kind of flip roles. Like last year, you know, if you think about it, now he's moved into Jack's role and, and Sheamus has moved into his role and they've complemented each other really well that way. Really well. And, you know, Nick wanted to come in this year and prove that he could be our go to guy. And, and, and I think that he's done that. Um, and it, he, he's shown at times that he can take over games as well. And he's becoming a difference maker back there. So uh, we're really excited about his progress.
0: We had actually Jack Ashan and Jimmy Schultz on um, a couple episodes ago, both those guys looking to kind of crack the lineups for uh, Boston and Vegas, respectively. Uh, from your experience, and granted, I'm kind of asking you to think about uh, two NHL lineups that are in flux very, very quickly. Um, do you see both of those guys getting uh, essentially a full-time gig at the National Hockey League level this year? Do you feel that they have the ability to get to that level?
2: They have the ability, no doubt. What well, I guess what I don't know is what their depth, depth charts look like. And and again, just like I was talking about, when you bring in Rocco or when you bring in Molinar, a lot of it is out of those two guys' control. It depends what the team needs, right? So, do, does you know does Boston need a guy like Jack, and does uh, Vegas need a guy like Jimmy? And hopefully, a big part of the NHL because those guys are NHL caliber caliber players. I'll tell you that right now. Jack Eshon and Jimmy Schulte, no doubt, are NHL caliber defensemen. A lot of making that league for guys is right time, right spot, being being in a place where they really need a player like you, and hopefully that'll work out for those guys. In know long term, it will because they're too good of players, they're too good of people, two of the best I've been around, and um, uh, I'm excited for them. And as long as they stick with it, I think both of them have the ability to make it.
0: Obviously to get to that point too, uh, you need to go through that development process. Part of that is the world junior tournament, which is going on right now. You had an opportunity to be a part of that as well. You've got your USA jacket on for those who uh, aren't watching the video feed. Uh, what have you liked from the United States team this year uh, as a coach at the division one level and looking at those guys who had a lot of roster
2: turnover and guys that you're uh, fairly familiar with? Yeah. You know what? We had half that team on the, the team last year and, and we were real, real young last year. Most of our I, uh, I want to say go-to high-end guys uh, last year were first-year players. And if you look at the history of that league, that it's usually an older team that wins. Canada kind of went through the same thing two years ago and then the last year, and uh, they grow and mature. They get through the tournament once and the second time back. They, they have a high, high-end skill level, no doubt about it. Um, their decor is extremely mo- mobile. Spencer Knight's playing great in the net. Uh, their ability to finish plays up front with Zegris and some of those guys is, is elite um I, I like their chances and i'm excited for them they got a really good team
1: you know from world juniors back to i'm going to kind of lasso up back here to st claude <laughs> state you mentioned you know sort of going through it once i mean you had that big freshman group from last year they now had a year a year to mature a year to grow and then you've added obviously donahue and cockerell they got some more experience in your lineup and you have again some young freshmen and you know when you look at championship teams and, and I say that carefully, right? Um, you, you have this mix of young talent, you know, that's you know, anxious and, you know, just it's there to kind of flash the world. You also have like this, you know, I guess matured older presence as well, the veteran presence. Uh, it seems like this group for St. Cloud just has a nice mix of both the young aspiring talent and that nice experience for the veteran presence uh, coach from what you've seen so far. And yes, it's an early sample size. Are you excited about what this team can look like here in the next uh, couple of weeks?
2: Yeah, I am. Uh, I am. I, I, I can tell you that uh, as excited as we are, we know how big the challenges are too. Right. So um, you kind of go week by week. Uh, but some of the things that, that we did, you know, bringing in Cockrell and Donahue, we really like it. We, 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 what, what you just said is what we wanted. We wanted to get older, quicker. We wanted to get more mature, quicker. And, and those two guys, both were letters where they played. They were really respected character kids that um, we thought could help uh, this younger group grow, be a good mix with the guys we already had coming back. Um, so, yes, there, there are a lot of positives. Um, I think that the challenges are um, knowing that, you know, this league is going to throw big, big challenges every weekend at you, right? Now, we learned how to play against a team like Duluth in our rank. Um, which is really tough. And now you got to go in and, and, you know, it's going to get even tougher going up there. So every week, you know, and then you go to Western Michigan where it's one of the hardest ranks to play in, in college hockey. You know what I mean? You, you, you have new challenges at you every weekend. And I think that if you keep the big picture in mind with this group that there may be some bumps in the road. Those bumps in the road, I think Noah said it earlier, I, I can tell you personally, um, never been part of a championship team where you didn't have those bumps. Sometimes you need them. And uh, it doesn't it's not fun when you go through them, but it's what really pushes you to the next level to get better. And, you know, I mean, you look at, at Duluth and some of the championships they've won. They've been third or fourth place in this league uh, going into the playoffs. It's it's the team that it's the team that continuously can get through those bumps and get better to where they're playing their best hockey at the end of the year. Um, that's what excites me. I think the most is that so far when we've had a bump, the team has responded pretty well. And if we can keep that up, that gives us a really good chance going down the stretch.
0: It's interesting, Uh, we're back at that point where we can mention things are week to week because back in the pod, you were essentially day to day, kind of just making sure you were rested and ready to go. Uh, My question for you is, did you have any actual downtime as a coach in the pod, getting a chance to kind of rest and recuperate? You're shaking your head no at me, and then I guess my be- my overall question is: after the pod was over and you got back home to St. Cloud and to home, uh, how many days did you sleep before you were finally able to actually get out during the Christmas
2: holidays? And what'd you do over Christmas? You know what, the pod was really a grind, and it was a fun grind though. It was like hockey all the time, 24/7. It was a pro schedule. But for the coaching staff, it's interesting. The players had some downtime for sure. And we tried to manage that. We tried to keep them active and and doing some things. We stayed at a great hotel. The people treated us awesome. Uh, It was only a few blocks from the rink. So you could walk back and forth to the other games when when you had downtime or get outside, which was nice. Um, But as a coach, you're playing for three different, preparing, sorry, for three different teams a week. Heck, we feel busy around here. We're preparing for one on a weekend. (laughs) So it was uh, was a lot of late nights, uh, a lot of work together with the staff, which I think was great uh, really enjoyed it. But by the end, I'm not gonna lie to you. I was, I was tired. I was feeling it. And, uh, we got home at about 3 AM, um, whatever that day was the 22nd, I believe. Um, so I didn't get to bed till about 4:30, and, uh, got some sleep that day, spent some time with the family. I felt like a zombie till Christmas Eve, I think. Um, but you know, it was great. Spent some time with the kids. Um, which was awesome. It really just had some downtime. Christmas was quiet, obviously, with all of us going through this pandemic. Um, You know what? We had my wife's mom and her husband come down and and that was it. Real quiet Christmas. Uh, But you know what? When you got kids that are uh, 11 and 7, for me as a parent, that's the funnest time of the year to see how excited they are and uh, seeing, you know, obviously. Well, the funny thing, of course, they're up at like 5.30 a.m. on Christmas morning because they know Santa came. So, no sleep that morning, but, uh, but it was great. Enjoyed some downtime, really just kind of shut her down for five or six days and, and, uh, um, enjoyed that rest and and really felt refreshed coming back. It was, it was great to get back on the 26th and, and, uh, get going again with the guys on the 27th.
0: I know. Uh, um, again, thank you for joining us early on a Monday morning. Um, and this might be kind of a goofy question here, but, uh, as you know, for me personally, I've had some ill-advised ones in my time with you, but, um, But uh, um, I, I kind of wanted to ask this because I, uh, you know, this morning you're with us. Uh, this evening you're with Jim Erickson in the Brett Larson show. You've got your own show named after you. You've got
2: a Wikipedia page. I think that's so funny. Whenever I hear it, I, my even my son's like, Dad, yeah, what a joke! I can't believe they have a show named after you. But yeah, it's it's kind of funny whenever I hear that.
0: It's uh, it's straight to the point. I would say um, yeah. it, it, and I know we kind of touched on this way back in episode number twelve, but I want to ask it again. Um, As much as we love listening to you talk about hockey, uh, you and I kind of talked about this off the air when I was working for the Chronicle last year. And you think about Brett Larson's week, you know, the power play for this last weekend, think about how many times you get to get asked about how the power play was this weekend. By the time you hit your road trip up in Duluth, um, you know, Are there ever times where sometimes you just wish us media guys would just let you have your day off on your Monday and then you can just (laughs) kind of get ready to just focus on hockey for a week? Do you you ever do you ever just want to do that? Um, I mean, be honest with us. Or do you kind of like the fact that you get to share your experience and the talent of this team with the world, essentially?
2: Well, number one, I thank you guys for doing it in the morning. This is an early morning for me. Our staff's usually to the office by 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning, and I would have been here anyway. So <laughs> I, what I do value, though, uh, is my evenings, you know, because that's really, you think about it, it's my old time with my kids and whatever. So sometimes in the evenings, it's it's nice to just be able to go home. Mm-hmm. Um, are you guys too young for Slap Shot, or have you ever seen Slap Shot, the movie?
0: I, I've seen it. Um, I, I'm not too young for it, even though I've seen it. Nick is like, that's like his prime, I would say. Yeah. So. I
2: when, you ask, when you say, people ask me about the power play, I always love the line where Reg Dunlop walks into that bar and they say, hey, Reg, how's the power play going? He's like, yeah, we're working on it. We're working on it.
1: <laughs> um,
2: you know, so, you know what? I don't really ever get sick of it the, at all. I, I actually enjoy it. Um, it's just, you know, it. I, I don't think, and it's, don't say this to pump our own tires or anything. It's the same way anywhere in college hockey. But, you know, it's, um, I, I don't know that people know how, how much work that the staff, especially the assistant coaches put into this, you know, this year a little different with the recruiting band during the, the pandemic. But, um, these guys are, you know, they're hitting the road, then they're back, then they're preparing the team. Then they're gone to Canada then they're back. Then they're running to Finland, then they're back. Then they're, and they're, they're, they're working on, I mean, the amount of work that goes into this, especially I would say on the assistant coaches' end uh, because they have so many balls to juggle. Uh, at least for me, I can just focus on the team mostly and a little bit of recruiting, but um, you know what? We, we, there, there's a ton of work to go into it. So occasionally, yes, you need some downtime and you want some downtime, but um, you know and I'm, I'm excited to talk about this team. Uh, Brett, just a couple more questions here for you this
1: morning, but again, thank you for joining us. Uh, you know, speaking of off-camera stuff, you know, when you came back from the pod, and and I can't imagine, as you mentioned, lights out, but, you know, was the message to the team almost the same too, to kind of, you know, use that, you know, a little bit of time to unplug, sort of refresh, because as much hockey as it is, we we could talk about it every day, right? Um, I would love to be at the rink every day myself, but sometimes you need that time away to kind of reset both physically and mentally, and I think, you know, that's a good thing for most, especially players, um, you know, of that age group, to just sort of have that mental break, and then to come back almost with like a new clean slate would you agree with that
2: yeah 100 percent uh the issue sometimes though is how you're playing going into the break right like the way we played against denver i wanted to keep going i didn't want to you know you know what i mean you don't want to lose that momentum kind of but i did know that mentally they needed it and we we let the guys go home obviously unfortunate with the pandemic the international guys couldn't um you know we think family time is really important for these guys and normally i'd want them all going home for a week and unplugging and just enjoying their family and friends and whatnot. But this year was good because some of the Minnesota guys took those guys in and uh, were able to have them into their houses for a, a home cooked meal. And you forget sometimes that these guys are just kids and you know if they're sitting here for a week, you know, they're probably eating you know noodles over Christmas that they're throwing in the microwave or something. But you know <laughs> it was nice for them to get out and have a uh, have a nice Christmas meal and, and spend some time with some of the families of the guys that live here in Minnesota. I've only got two more questions for you, Brett. And like Nick said,
0: once again, thank you for joining us. My first one, I'm curious to see if you give me a hockey answer or not on this one. Uh, You know, we love all the guys. We love to see the growth of this hockey team as a collective group. But is there one or two players on this roster for St. Cloud this year that um, have kind of, I don't want to say stood out, but kind of have made more of a jump or more of an impact or really developed their game in a way that uh, I don't want to say surprised you, but you were hoping for and they gave you more than even you hoped for.
2: Well, one guy that comes to mind is Brendan Bushy right now. Uh, you know what? He has moved into a role where um, he's really defending well. He's, he's making the first pass well. I think he's he's understanding how he needs to play. We trust him out there. Uh, he's a the guy that's, that's really stepped up into that area. And, you know, I could talk about the guys that are off to hot starts and all that and whatnot, but... Another guy would be Spencer Meyer, his ability to lead. And it's not easy as a first year captain, as a junior, uh, to feel that pressure of leading and trying to keep improving your game at the same time. Um, but I think that he's done a really good job of those things. He's carries so much respect in the room. Uh, early in the year, I think he was trying to find his game a little bit. You know, as a captain, sometimes you. You feel like if you screw up or make a mistake, everyone's looking at you. The captain's not supposed to screw up. There's an added pressure there a little bit. I think he learned. he's learning day to day, day to day how to deal with those things a little bit. And I think he's handling the role of, of captain and leadership and starting to show that his game is improving in the right direction as well at the same time. So that's something that behind the scenes, I think maybe a lot of people don't think about as well. But when you're named captain for the first time, there is an added sense of responsibility and pressure that sometimes can... Oh, there's that light again. Hold on, guys. (laughs) All right. Sorry about that. Uh, uh, And I, I think long story short, Spence is doing a nice job of that. And he's starting to show that he can handle both his role on the ice and his role as a leadership in the locker room and off the ice.
0: Love to uh, hear those underlying storylines. And uh, my last question before I kick it over to Nick, um, I guess, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but Miami is really the only group that you really haven't seen extensively in person as far as like gameplay against them. Um, it, it, are there teams when you came away from that pod and then after you faced Duluth, we knew Duluth was going to be a good team. So that wasn't much of a surprise, but um, you know, I think people want to maybe say Omaha was the surprise of the pod. I mean, were you surprised by Omaha? What are some teams that you thought uh, had a really strong pod or teams to really watch out for as you come into February and March, and then maybe a team or two that you thought uh, maybe hasn't performed as well as you had expected.
2: Yeah. Um. Boy, it's, 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 well, look at the league. I mean, Miami just went in and beat Western twice, you know, CC beats Denver on a Friday night, or a Friday night and Denver comes back and beats them six one the next night. Uh, this league is, you know, I know it sounds cliche ish and, and I know it sounds like I'm dodging the question, but um, there's nobody that's not good. <laughs> like it just isn't. And, but uh, I, I can't tell you, it, it, it's, it's the old saying: you don't play your best in this league, you're going to get beat. Most likely, if you don't show up with your A game, you're not going to win. And even sometimes, when you do show up with your A game, you're going to you're going to lose. So it, it was the issue when they put this league together. The one concern maybe was that we were all going to beat each other up so much during the year, and it was so tough. Would that would that hurt us in the postseason? Obviously, it hasn't. This league's had great success in the in the postseason, um, but it's it's uh, it's man i can't think of a team that you're thinking man they're they're going to be easy to play against this year there there isn't one
0: I just wanted to make you work mentally, I guess. Maybe, maybe to finish on a, on a note where I can give you a question that I can throw you a bone here. Um, uh, speaking of uh, postseason, how about post-regulation one and two in overtime for this men's hockey team? Didn't really have the showing, I think on Friday in the extra session that you were hoping for um, what changes in that three on three format, especially this year, jumping right in from five on five to three on three play. What do you like from your group in the extra session? And uh, what would you like to see improved moving forward?
2: Well, we certainly got to get it a lot better. I mean, obviously, we haven't played much of it. I mean, we got scored on eight seconds into the, the first overtime and two, two minutes into this one. Um, it, it's. And obviously, we had a power play against CC and, and scored on that power play early four on three. Um, you know what? It's something to get used to for sure. I like our speed. I like our talent on, on the three on three. I think it's something that should be a positive for us as we get going here and as we get used to it a little bit. You know what? Great players make great plays on three. It's usually the difference maker that's going to come through in three-on-three, and you look at the play Noah Cates made the other night for that goal was high-end, and I've got a lot of respect for him as a player. I think he's one of the best in the league and probably in the country, and and Kawaguchi almost made the exact same move and play against Mm -hmm. us the first night. Uh, Those are, a lot of times, it's individual efforts that win games in that three-on-three. I love the three-on-three from a fan perspective and excitement perspective. It is hard to um it is hard and I think some of us feel unfair to you know have, get a full win or a full loss based on three on three overtime. It's a little bit controversial that way um and and we'll see if there's some change there. There should, definitely should be a point won or gained or lost uh, in that but um, it's something that uh, it's tough to stomach a full loss in your record in a three on three overtime when you know that's not uh per se real hockey but uh, you know what when you win it it feels pretty good so it's tough but uh anyway long story short is i think as we keep getting used to the new format um and our guys getting a feel for it i think that we could be pretty good at it we've definitely got the speed and we've got the talent to take advantage of some of those situations
1: uh, brett last question and again thanks again for joining us uh we talked about uh this with dave shyak a little bit and that is having the mentality to have to be ready for battle excuse me and you know you we talk about Friday, or excuse me, Saturday's game. I keep, I keep missing up the weekend. It's me too. Just, it's, me too. It's, my brain is completely um, backwards. But at the end of it, Saturday, maybe not the most engaged in some of the physical battles. Sunday, much better effort there. Um, it, I think the key to success for this team moving forward, and I want to get your opinion on this is, you know, you have the speed, you have the skill and you have the good depth, right? I think all of those pieces are there, but you're going to have teams that give you different looks. They're going to force you to, you know, to really sort of engage in those physical battles. Do you believe that really the next level for this team is the consistency on engaging and, and, Uh, being ready to kind of, you know, use your body and to be able to battle physically, uh, whether it's on the forecheck and the defensive zones. And really when the speed is sort of taken away from it, they're going to have to really, you know, kind of use your body to, to eke out a win.
2: No doubt. And especially when you look at the schedule that we've got left, you're playing Miami, who is a much improved team this year, and they're heavy, they're physical, they're strong. Western, always a heavy, physical, strong team. Duluth, a heavy, physical, strong team. Like, it's the key for us, for sure. You know, some people... It's funny, you think about this league, and some people, when they look at this league, they think, ah, oh, you're not playing North Dakota or Denver or, or these teams down the stretch. Well, we're playing teams that are really tough to play against, some of the hardest teams to play against down, down the stretch in this league. So without that physical compete, battle level, the ability to win stick battles, uh, you're chasing the game the whole night. You know uh, If you if you can win those battles, now you're dictating the game because you've got the puck, and that's where we need to play. Uh, so 100%, I couldn't agree with you more. You look at the schedule down the stretch. If if we're not able to win physical battles, win races to the puck, you know, I'm not talking about running around, hitting people, playing physical, that type of thing. Yes, you want to finish your checks when they're there. I'm talking about that 50-50 stick battle for a puck against heavy, strong teams. We need to come up with those, and we need to control the puck that way. So uh, it, it is a key for our success, especially with the schedule we've got down the stretch.
1: Brett Larson, head coach of the Saint Cloud State Men's Hockey team. Thank you for joining us again. Congratulations on last night's win against them to pick up that split, and looking forward to seeing what you got coming up for against the same Bulldogs this upcoming weekend. Again, thanks for joining us.
2: Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me.
0: If you're looking for more Huskies Warming House podcast content, there's a place for that. Visit us at huskieswarminghousepodcast.com and follow our Twitter page, at Warming House Den, for the latest news, notes, updates, prizes, and more. Don't forget you can find us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Tune in, Spotify, and more. We also are on Google Podcasts and would love to hear your feedback on the show. Drop us a line at Huskies Warming House Podcast at Outlook.com or leave us feedback in the feedback section of the Huskies Warming House Podcast website. And finally, if you know any Huskies hockey alumni who would love to be on the show, let us know and we just might make it happen.
1: And once again, thanks to Brett Larson for joining us this morning. Again, great comeback win against uh, UMD here on Sunday night. You know, Noah, it's so funny during the interview week, I, I think I said Friday or Saturday. I, I don't know. Can we tell you how many <laughs> yeah. times? But uh, it's just so ingrained in our brains that Friday, Saturday, it's it's college hockey. But uh, unfortunately, with the pandemic, you know, a couple of things different uh, so far this season. Though, hopefully, to Keep the schedule as is, if you want to say, uh, going forward. But uh, go up to Duluth next week and do the men's team to uh, finish off, you know, I guess, four straight games against the the Bulldogs. And then, of course, women's hockey—a good, big early test here for the second half of the season. They go to Ritter Arena, downtown Minneapolis, Dinky Town, to face University of Minnesota Golden Gophers. That's going to be, uh, a, a, I guess, a good rise to the occasion. Mm-hmm. I would think, uh, kind of matchup, Noah and. and surprisingly so yeah the record may not show it and now we talked about this off the air uh, this team actually does perform pretty well against Ritter Arena. I, I've said it before; you know, it's just it's almost like you're trying to rise to the challenge. You know, Minnesota has been a perennial good program for the women's, and uh, you just kind of want to put your best foot forward, or maybe it's the best skate forward on the ice, if you want to call it Noah. And uh, should be two good, exciting matchup, both men's and women's this upcoming weekend.
0: Yeah, women's hockey I think might benefit a little bit from that smaller ice sheet against a team like the Gophers. I, I think that Saint Cloud has gotten a lot faster as far as the women's side is concerned, but. They're the Gophers. That's just what it is, you know, them and Wisconsin. And even I would throw Duluth in that argument this year and potentially Ohio state, if they can get uh, their top line uh, rolling once again, you know, those are teams that they just, their speed and their high end, you know, top heavy talent, uh, it is just good. And you have to be prepared for that. But I think St. Cloud uh, has always responded well in that arena. And don't forget, it is a home and home January 9th. They are at Ritter Arena and January 10th, they are back at the Herbs. So we might see uh, a really varying uh, styles of play between those two games and uh, excited to see that. And we're going to get an absolute grudge match up in Duluth. Like you mentioned uh, three and four games uh, against the same opponent and a smaller ice service to boot in a series that was arguably tight knit, even on an Olympic sheet. It should be very, very uh, very, very good test. Uh, Once again, like you mentioned, thank you to Brett Larson for uh, hanging out with us. You know, it's always kind of funny. I know we talked uh, in our best of 2020 about some of our favorite uh, guests. And of course we, Brett didn't really fall into that conversation just because we haven't had him on since episode number 12, but we get to interact with him uh, otherwise uh, off the air. And Brett is just a guy, just a consummate professional and a guy that is so much fun to talk to. He's very articulate and uh, you know, just a great hockey mind. And it's fun to pick his brain to know uh, what's going on in the world of st cloud state hockey speaking of what is going on in the world of st cloud state hockey uh nick uh, this will do it for episode number 43 part number two we do have episode number 44 coming out hopefully another uh guest to bring you at this time next week on tuesday and on sunday will be our center view news and notes we'll probably hit a lot more heavily on some st cloud state hockey action as you mentioned the schedule should be back to normal so we're excited to bring you that content and we're excited to have some future guests to uh um for our fans to enjoy i guess Cause that's why we're here. Cause that's why we do a podcast. So Nick, anything else to add before we uh, uh, kick it off to the dusty trail, if you will. I, I just think, you know,
1: hockey's back again, I think it's second half. Uh, I think the only thing that, you know, maybe worries me a little bit is, you know, now that, especially the men's are in the travel season, uh, we're recording this again uh, on Sunday, excuse me, not Sunday. Uh, there I go again with the days. No, it's just unbelievable. <laughs> Uh, this is Monday morning and already the Omaha and North Dakota series for this upcoming weekend has already been mm-hmm. postponed. So uh, you just kind of hope that uh, between the Huskies and, and, and again, Duluth in this case, you know, that uh, there's, there's the health protocols and everything you're following them and we can continue to play hockey. Um, you know, the, the pod was a really great opportunity to set ground. And, you know, we we talked about setting yourself out of a position to really carry yourself or put yourself in a good spot for the second half of the season. It's even more important now, as you, you, again, we saw left and right, uh, especially outside the NCHC that, you know, the schedule has to have been tweaked. So there's going to be some postponements, maybe some reschedules. And at some point you're not going to be able to reschedule games anymore. You're just going to have to, Kind of drop them out. So uh, the more that the Huskies can pick up in terms of points, and I think more importantly, points percentage-wise, uh, they'll be uh, setting themselves up with a good foot here. Hopefully, coming in March, where the rumor is, at least far as we know, Noah, that excuse me, the NCHC is considering a bubble for the playoffs. And uh, mm-hmm. yet to be determined uh, when and where, if that does happen, we'll certainly keep uh, our thumb on the trigger with Josh Fenton, and again, the NCHC commissioner to see if indeed that is a plan that he's going to fall through on. So excited to have a uh, Husky hockey back and uh, both men's and women's and uh, hopefully we can have a, a good start to 2021 because 2020
0: is bye-bye. <laughs> we, we do have some buffer games in there for the NCHC, but I think as Josh Fenton would say, uh, those aren't a suggestion to uh, try to test those boundaries, if you will. Uh, hopefully other players do what they can and uh, um, control the controllables that they have. And right now, St. Cloud State, hopefully controlling the play next weekend in Duluth as are the women's team against the Gophers. But once again, uh, this segment was supposed to be about three minutes and look at us rambling on like we always do. <laughs> so we're going to get out of here. Episode number 43 for Nick Max and I'm Noah Grant from the Huskies Warming House podcast. And we hope to see you in the den next week.